Until the spirit of rejection and sibling rivalry are healed in the Middle East, the descendants of Ishmael can never live in peace with their half-brother Isaac, the Jewish people. God has called us as intercessors to bind up the wounds. Back before the beginning of October, this Jaffa Gate, the western entrance to the holy city of Jerusalem, was bustling with Jews celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, the nations coming up to also keep the feast according to the prophecy in Zechariah 14. And Arabs were here doing business. So much has happened since then, and the nation has become traumatized, reeling from the war from the casualties. And we, as the people of God, must minister comfort and hope to this nation, according to Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to the heart of Jerusalem and say, your warfare has been accomplished, for you have paid double for your sins. Soon Messiah will come and set up his kingdom here. And that's why we at the Jerusalem Channel bring to you an understanding of the times. So stay with us and we will keep you informed. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Today I want to return to my teachings on the Isaiah 19 Highway concerning reconciliation between the half-brothers, Jews and Arabs. It's the key to Minnie's revival. May our hearts be softened to ponder these things. You see, it's not just enough to pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. We must also enlarge our hearts for the salvation of all of Abraham's descendants. Serious believers are called to deliver lost souls through corporate prayer and fasting to submit to the God of Israel and the Bible. God's strategy is the Ephesians 2.15, one new man of Jew and former Gentile living together. The Lord Jesus is the great equalizer. The peoples of the Middle East are terribly wounded. The Jewish people, having survived Holocaust, pogroms, and the October 7 atrocities, are incredibly wounded. And the Arabs are wounded in different ways. And we want to focus on the spirit of rejection. Until this rejection and sibling rivalry are healed, Ishmael can never live in peace with his half-brother Isaac. And God has called us to bind up the wounds. I've been praying for the salvation of Arabs since 1975, when my husband and I first visited Israel, when I received a revelation that it's the Arabs' harvest time. One of our great mentors, evangelist Reinhard Bonka of Blessed Memory, used to teach us that harvest time is a set time and never waste a harvest while waiting for another one. One night, I was invited to a house meeting in Bethlehem. I gave a very simple evangelistic message, and to my great surprise, all the Arabs in that crowded home raised their hands to receive the Lord 
And there were healings that took place also. So God enlarged my heart to pray for the Arabs. Now, wounded people tend to inflict wounds. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was initially unable to bear children because God prevented it as a test for them. And therefore, Sarah lost patience and gave Abraham, her maidservant, Hagar, to conceive an heir. The resulting son, Ishmael, was born, and he was brought up in Abraham's household. Later, of course, Sarah did give birth to Isaac. But now in Genesis 21, Sarah was greatly alarmed when she saw Ishmael, the son of her Egyptian handmaid, Hagar, making fun of Isaac, the son of promise. Ishmael's mocking became a serious problem because Isaac was God's ordained heir. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 4.29, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. Paul said it's the same now, and it's still the same today. Sarah would not tolerate Ishmael's mockery, so she said to Abraham, cast them out. The son of this bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son. So that's when Ishmael's honor was given a terrible, decisive blow. In Arab society, honor is everything. Ishmael was expelled from his father's tent, a tent that had been celebrated for its hospitality, where even a trinity of angels was entertained. But I'm here to encourage everybody that the love of God does cure wounded souls. Believers are first called to minister mercy and reconciliation to Abraham's son Isaac so that the Jewish people can laugh again and the two sticks of Judah and Ephraim can become one in the hand of the Lord. But God also calls believers to be instruments of mercy to the entire family, including Ishmael, whose name means God hears. In the Bible, four important men were named before birth. The Lord Jesus was named before his birth, as was his forerunner, John the Baptist, as well as the strong man, Samson. And the first in the Bible to be named before birth was, in fact, Ishmael. A person named before birth is a person of destiny. Since Ishmael means God hears, we have no doubt that God will hear Ishmael's call for salvation in these last days and deliverance. We prophesy that a whole generation of his physical and spiritual descendants will flood into the kingdom of God as we faithfully fast and pray. Ishmael must hear the gospel. He must be healed of rejection and be reconciled to Abba, Father. Now, Islam memorializes and perpetuates Ishmael's rejection. Enshrined around the Dome of the Rock shrine on Jerusalem's Temple Mount is the saying that God has no son, and therefore that means God cannot be a father. The Arabic inscription on the inner octagonal arcade states, It befitteth not the majesty of God that he should take unto himself a son. Inscriptions on the outer arcade also say in Arabic, God hath not taken unto himself a son. Well, from my early childhood, under my 
father's ministry, I've always reverenced our elders in the faith, the Jews. But I also learned to love the Arabs through doors the Lord supernaturally opened for my ministry throughout the Middle East. And the Lord protected me from absorbing their offense against the Jews. In fact, God gave me a ministry with my feet in both camps. On the one hand, first to minister mercy to Israel, and on the other hand, to be a watchman for the Arab harvest. Through prayer and fasting, we can set free Ishmael's sons and daughters from the tyranny of bondage, rejection, violence, and rivalry. Ishmael's mother was a bondwoman, a slave. Also, Hagar is a picture of divorced spouses. I've never experienced the pain of divorce, but I believe divorce is worse than death because the estranged spouse is still alive, but love and intimacy are denied. Isaiah 19.25 declares, Blessed be Egypt, my people. In Hebrew, it says, Baruch Ami Mitzrayim. Imagine that God calls Egypt, Ami, my people. And he says, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. So Egypt must awaken to who they are in God, his people. Heretofore, Christian Zionists have only considered the Jewish people as the ancient people of God. But here in this passage, God says the Egyptians are also on me, my people. God is a strategist, and he sees the bigger picture of the so-called Isaiah 19 highway of Egypt, Assyria, and Israel, all living together peacefully in a messianic league, being a blessing in the middle of the earth. As Ephesians 2.6 teaches, believers in Jesus are legally and positionally seated with Messiah already in heavenly places. So from the perspective of the Lord's heavenly throne room, we should also look down and see the bigger picture. Although according to Zechariah 2.8 in the Hebrew Bible, Israel is the apple of God's eye, when God looks down from his throne, he declares his eternal purposes for the entire region to be saved. Now, some of the bitterest conflicts are in families. Today, Abraham's family would be described as dysfunctional. Baron Sarah experienced a lapse of faith and manipulated her husband to impregnate her Egyptian handmaiden, and Abraham didn't even argue about it. In fact, he was amazingly compliant. As Princess Diana once said, there were three people in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. For 13 years, Abraham was content to accept Ishmael as his firstborn. But God finally sent Isaac, the son of promise. Notice Abraham's heartfelt response to God. He said, oh, let Ishmael live before you. That's the loyal cry of a father's heart. However, to keep the peace, Abraham expelled Hagar and Ishmael into the desert. Their provisions were scant, only bread and a skin of water. How humiliating was that? It certainly wasn't a picnic. The Bible says they wandered, no doubt, in shock and disbelief. The lyrics of the popular song El Shaddai refer to Hagar's sorrow, to the outcast on her knees, 
you were the God who really sees. So God comforted Hagar by promising that he would make Ishmael into a great nation. But back in Genesis 16:12, there was a negative prophecy. Ishmael would be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. This wild behavior is the result of a wounded spirit. Wounded people brood and internalize their hurt and at times lash out, exploding with anger. Although the Lord's plan is to bless Ishmael and to make him fruitful, how can a wild donkey of a man given to mockery, violence, and gloating be tamed? Well, on Palm Sunday, Jesus rode on the back of a colt of a donkey. It's Jesus who tames Ishmael. George Otis Sr. of Blessed Memory donated Middle East TV to the Christian Broadcasting Network, which became the reason why my husband and I moved to Israel as broadcast journalists. Our station was attacked by terrorists. George visited one of the terrorists in prison and led him to the Lord. And the Israeli commander in the north was so amazed by the former terrorist transformation that he said to George, George, you've got to get more of these radicals saved. Yes, Jesus is the answer. Ishmael, the wild donkey, becomes the gentle cult that carried Jesus into Jerusalem. Enmity between Isaac and Ishmael were partially reconciled at their father's burial. According to Genesis chapter 25, Abraham lived to be 175 years old. And verse 9 says his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. This was the field that Abraham had purchased as a land possession from the Hittites. Abraham was buried there in the promised land with his wife Sarah. It's good to know that both Ishmael and Isaac attended their father's burial. However, like many family reunions, relations can be cordial but not exactly warm. Ultimately, animosity can only be broken through the binding together of the one new man in Messiah. That's when the dividing wall of enmity falls. Jesus is the great equalizer because we're all accepted in the Beloved. So the spirit of rejection must be bound over Ishmael's children. The spirit of rejection maligns the gospel. The gospel teaches that God so loved the world that while we were yet sinners, he sent his only son to die for all of us. Believers in Jesus, Yeshua, are adopted into the family of God, and we receive shalom habayt. That's peace in our household. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been passed over, abandoned, discriminated against, jilted, betrayed, cast out, spurned? Well, in some measure, I think we all have been treated like this in a fallen world. In some way, all of us are able to relate to this level of suffering. But rejection by a father is one of the cruelest of sufferings, a terrible blow to a young man's ego. After being expelled, from Abraham's household, Ishmael was dying of thirst, but suddenly an angel of the Lord showed a spring of water to Ishmael's mother, Hagar, and their lives were saved. But the spirit of rejection remained. 
Psalm 83 is a very relevant psalm to current events, and it's often mentioned in Bible prophecy updates. That psalm declares that Israel's enemies take crafty counsel against them, saying, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. And verse 6 mentions that some of these angry neighbors are the Edomites, the Ishmaelites, Moabites, and the Hagarenes. Bible commentaries say the Hagarenes are a branch of Ishmaelites named after Hagar, Ishmael's mother, who was an Egyptian, and she took an Egyptian for Ishmael's wife. The nations of Psalm 83 are still adversaries of Israel, but changes and paradigm shifts are happening in the region, even as we pray. In the book by Bill Solace, entitled The Future War Prophecies, we read that in the last days, mankind will dwell in a war-torn world. This is because conventional battles, nuclear exchanges, and supernatural demonic invasions are all prophesied. Bible prophecies such as Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38 and 39 explain the motives and provide the details as well as the outcomes of these future world-changing conflicts. And these conflicts include Israel versus Iran and its proxies, Iran's proxies, such as Hamas and Hezbollah, the destruction of Damascus, according to Isaiah chapter 17, as well as the final Arab-Israeli war described in Psalm 83 and the Russian coalition's invasion of Israel in Ezekiel 38, as well as the war in heaven between the archangel Michael versus Satan mentioned in the book of Revelation. We need to discover these wars so that we can keep ourselves and help loved ones out of harm's way. In fact, Lord Jesus promised every faithful believer in Revelation 3.10, because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This is referring to the rapture. Behold, he said, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. Amen. In the meantime, we believers in this generation are destined by the Lord of the harvest to minister living water to the Hagarenes so they will never thirst again for approval, so they can be accepted in the family of God through Messiah. God will save more Arabs as you and I corporately fast and pray for a mass deliverance from the spirit of rejection. God has the power to save them. And as we fast and pray, the Holy Spirit outpours the spirit of grace and revelation so that they behold Messiah through dreams and visions. This move of God is well documented in my book, Miracles Among Muslims, The Jesus Visions. It's available on Kindle as an e-book. Truly, the return and revival of the sons of Ishmael is a present movement of the Holy Spirit. The power of fasting concerning this revival in the Middle East can never be measured. Prayer without fasting for strongholds is not fully effective. But when we add fasting to our prayers, we live out the Bible. Previously, I've mentioned Derek Prince's book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. Derek wrote that we receive some answers to prayer without fasting, 
But there are other answers that are only received when we add fasting to our prayers. Knowing that his time is short, Satan has desperately inspired a culture of death. A whole generation of Palestinians and their little vulnerable children have been brainwashed to hate Jews. And it's our task as intercessors, according to Acts 26.18, to pray for the Lord to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Yes, it's our task to minister the living waters to still their raging thirst. And since Ishmael means God hears, I have to ask, will Ishmael hear the gospel of love and reconciliation through you and me and through our intercessions with fasting? It's my prayer to the Heavenly Father that the same words of Abraham, let Ishmael live before you, will come to pass. We believe, Lord, you are a good father and that you are opening the eyes of the descendants of Ishmael to the living well of water, Jesus. Well, in many ways, although the analogy is not perfect, Ishmael reminds me very much of the prodigal son. Interestingly, that parable is also called by some theologians the parable of the lost son. Ishmael truly is the lost son who is finally coming home to the father in these last days. And Abba, father, is running out to meet Ishmael along the desert roads of the Middle East through divine dreams and visions. The Holy Spirit is mercifully being outpoured in the Islamic world. In many of the lands where Ishmael's physical and spiritual descendants live, the gospel has been blocked. But the risen Lord Jesus still passes through walls and borders in dreams and visions. The Heavenly Father is throwing his arms with unconditional love around Ishmael's neck. God is bringing him home into the bosom of Father Abraham, putting the robe of Messiah's righteousness on his shoulders, gospel shoes on his feet, and a signet ring of love, and gospel authority on his hand. How privileged we are to be a part of this homecoming revival. In fact, the prophet Joel predicted that in the last days, the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. God's external purposes extend beyond the boundaries of the people of God in Israel. So at this moment in time in history, God is especially demonstrating his love that Israel should live. According to Psalm 78, 41, we must never limit the Holy One of Israel. In Hebrew, to limit in this verse literally means to draw boundaries, scratching a line or circle and saying, God is bound here and he can go no further. That's ridiculous. Let's believe God for the maximum. Too many intercessors bind God as they pray only for Israel or their nations. In my book, Miracles Among Muslims, The Jesus Visions, I document the fact that a great percentage of Muslim background believers in Jesus have come to faith because of a direct dream or vision about the Lord from the Holy Spirit. After all, God promised to bless his descendants, and they can only be blessed when they receive eternal life through Jesus the Messiah. How will God set the children of Ishmael free? God always calls a Moses, a Deborah, an Esther, a Paul. God uses a preacher, a leader, an activist. He sets the captives free through intercessors 
who are the bold, fearless messengers of truth. That's going to be you and me, right? Well, may the Lord flood our hearts with his love for Ishmael, just as he's already flooded our hearts for the Jewish people. I hope you can see that when Ishmael truly lives, Israel will also live because the family feud will be over. May Ishmael be freed and realize that he is a son of promise too. With Paul, we can exclaim with joy the Romans chapter 11 doxology. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The watchman sees all of these prophetic events unfolding and progressing. Israel itself will soon become a nation of seers. According to Zechariah 12.10, God promises, I will pour upon the house of David, that's the Jews, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that's also the Arabs, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and mourn for him. It's going to happen. Oh, Lord, give us eye salve to be watching eyes. Bring us to a greater revelation that we need to pray and we also need to fast and pray. I was speaking with a friend in Jerusalem's old city who said that he couldn't fast for health reasons as part of his religious efforts, but he hoped God would accept him anyway because he said, I'm a good man. When I informed him that the Bible states that we're all sinners, not one of us, is good, he said, well, I'm half good, but half good is not good enough with a holy God. Only the imputed righteousness of the Messiah makes us acceptable in God's sight. I told my friend that he must cry out for the mercy of God rather than attempting to justify himself. I also told him that once two men stood in the temple praying, one was a proud Pharisee, thanking God I'm not a sinner like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week, I tithe, I don't commit adultery and so forth. But the tax collector, standing afar off, was too ashamed to lift his eyes to God. He beat his chest and cried, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, that sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Well, I wouldn't be a faithful watchman if I didn't explain to you the way of salvation. You see, when you fall from an airplane, you need one thing, a parachute. And when you fall into eternity, you need only one thing, the Savior. You see, not everyone who dies goes to a better place. Only those who have a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus go to a better place. In radical theology, salvation is promised only to the shahids, the martyrs, who tragically are murderers and suicide bombers. Everybody else in their radical theology has no salvation assurance. But the Bible teaches that merit with God cannot be earned, whether through violence or through good deeds. Salvation is the free gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 declares, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. In the meantime, please check out our website, exploits.tv, and also at our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, both have an extensive free library of videos 
our weekly program exploits is based upon Daniel 11.32, declaring the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and we will accomplish exploits. That means we're going to do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before his imminent return. Please feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media, by mobile phone or tablet. You can download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app. And there's more in-depth topics to share with you through my articles archive at Substack. Until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha. <laughs>